This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. I talk into microphones every day on the Team 980. I used to cover the team as a beat reporter. He, he only played 10 years in the NFL. Ha, your resume is shorter. Take that. <laughs> Well, you do the resume, so you can make it shorter if you That's need to. That's true. That's true. Uh, accomplished analyst, Logan Paulson. Also, you can catch him on all the Commander's Breakdowns uh, on YouTube and on their social media, doing an excellent job. What you get here, though, uh, from Logan, which is unique and great, is the depth of a podcast. And so, Logan, uh, we've been exchanging film clips uh, for 48 hours, basically. Um, we've both charted a bunch of stuff. We, we've We've gone in on this game trying to diagnose – the problems on the commander's offense. Because as I said on, I think it was when I was with you on the radio yesterday, we've talked to each other in the microphones every day the last three days. Yeah. They start they start to blur a little bit. But I basically said, like, it doesn't take a genius to figure out something's not going right here, right? They scored 10 points. That's not good. Uh, but it does take uh, an elevated level of analysis to try to get into why. So as you've now done kind of your full breakdown of this game in terms of the study and charting and, and all the different things that you do, when you start to identify the problems that they've had offensively, where do you start? I mean, that's a lot. So I think the first thing that – so let's start at the highest level and then work our way down. So yeah, I think, that's, I think the, that's the best way to do it. I think in the game, this, this last game, I think penalties were a huge deal. And they were very inopportune time. And I think kind of piggybacking on, on these – because like that's, that's one of the issues. When you're running an uber-conservative game plan, and you're terrified of of Dallas's rush. Any little augmentation in how you're executing, which is a penalty, they they messed up a protection early on, which is a huge deal. Trey Turner didn't squeeze; he should have squeezed, didn't do it. I think that's probably one of the reasons he gets benched. He also has a false start, right? The the groundings have been well talked about, right? Those become gigantic issues for offenses that are kind of crawling along, right? And because Again, like we, we've talked about this at nauseum on this podcast, but when you don't generate big plays, it's very hard to kind of have these long sustained drives. And I think that was on full display. And the penalties is one of those issues, right? Now, I obviously like I'm not saying anything revolutionary there. There's there's you come to this podcast for more nuance. So the next step, the next kind of iteration of this outside of that, like really high level, low hanging fruit type stuff is I do think there does seem to be kind of a delineation in Scott Turner's mind between pass plays and between run plays in terms of how formationally he gets to some of his stuff, right? And from a personnel standpoint, like if Bates is in the game in 11 personnel, it's probably a run. If Armani's in the game in uh, 11 personnel, it's probably a run. If 
Cam Sims and De'Ami Brown are in the game, it's also probably a run, right? And so I think they have these tells, right? And then also there's a body language issue, right? Logan Thomas lines up in a two-point receiver stance when it's a pass, and then he kind of, when he's running a route from like an attached position and he's and his hands off the ground, he's a little bit higher with his pads, and there's a nice kind of clear, again, just from a personnel body type standpoint. That's... I think that's in Scott's control. I think that's in the offense's control, like to get that all kind of hashed out and identify these tendencies. I also think the formations look different, right? When they want to run the ball, everything gets a little bit tighter. Receivers, tight ends, they get a little bit closer. And the reason that is, is because they have to block safeties. They have to block these run fit players, right? So even that, like when you're just buzzing the clip, I think I sent you a video, Craig, where I just went through the clips, like, is this a runner or pass? Is this a runner or pass? And, I want to say we got to like play 17 doing that. Yeah. We and, did. and it wasn't, and they were all like, you, you, you whatever you thought when you saw it, run or pass, yep. it was a run or a pass. Yep. So again, and the same thing is true with like how they use pre snap motion. You know, like it was, I, I'd have to pull up my chart, which I probably should have done because like we're using, <laughs> we're doing the podcast. So I'll pull this up in a second. But like the first like eight or nine times they put guys in motion, it's, it's run. Yeah. And you just get to the point where if I'm charting that, as an analyst after the game and i'm like motion yes result run motion yes result run it's like oh they're probably gonna run it hey guys uh 85 of the time when they run it and like you know pro football focus or whatever other analytics they have like they don't even have to chart that stuff they can they can look it up and they probably get a spreadsheet each week that says if this then that if john bates is in the game it's run whatever percent of the time and like I think it's important to say there's good reasons why you do these things. Like John Bates being in the game as a run blocker is a good thing because he's the best run blocker on the team from the tight end position. So it's not like that you you want to then all of a sudden be like, oh, well, we got to trick him all the time. Every time John Bates is in, haha, we're passing now. No, it's it's tendency breaking enough and not being predictable enough that teams have to play you honest. That if they try to lock in on one phase of what you're doing based off a of tell, that they're going to be wrong just often enough that they won't actually play the guessing game in the first place. I, I totally agree. And like, you know, I was in John Bates's role for a lot of teams. And like one of the things that Scott did a good job, because like, we're going to talk about this more in the second block, but I do think that like there's all of these kind of high level criticisms of this offense, not even high level. These are nuanced criticisms, nuanced criticisms of this, of this offense. But the crazy thing is, is there are throws and there are opportunities in this offense to get plays. And I think that's something we got to like, we'll talk about more as we go, but just to kind of tease the next block, like even though there are these kind of tells, like there are open throws and the quarterback isn't always facilitating them, but I I will say, yeah, like, you know, Bates in the game, like that's a very common thing, right. But you know, they, they run play pass with Bates in the game, all those types of things. And I think the other thing that sticks out to me, again, my background is, is very specific in this regard is when you're running a play pass, like let's sell the run, you know, Let's sell the run. I think like the first play pass of the game, uh, if I remember correctly, they every run out of 12, so two tight ends or 13, three tight ends. Which they only ran once in the entire game, I believe. Yeah, which was but it was on the first drive. Yep. It it's from under center. And then all of a sudden you're in 12 and then you're in gun and you expect the defense to kind of abide by this thing, like the, the illusion that you're running the football. Like obviously you've shown on this drive that you want to run the football from under center because it allows you you to attack both sides of the formation. Now you get in the gun and you haven't run a single gun run out of that personnel grouping. So 
you better believe those guys are rushing the passer. Like there wasn't, and it's like this soft fake. It's like this long languid fake across the ball. Now they did. I think they did identify that to their credit. And then McKissick's long run is off of a gun run, right? It's out of 11 personnel. They did some stuff with the personnel groupings. I think Bates is in the game and it leads to a big play. And I think part of that is because they had set this standard early and then they kind of subverted that. Right. And so I think that's, again, I think that's good offensive play calling and a right. good way to use your tendencies against the, the, the them. You start noticing something on the tablets that, wow, they're really loading up. We got something yeah. here. You yeah. go to it. Like that's that when people talk about in-game adjustments, a lot of people, I don't know what people think they are, but I feel like they just say it to make think they sound smart. <laughs> but like that is an example of an in-game adjustment. It's not like, wow, our run pass disparity went from 60-40 to 40-60. It's like, mm-hmm. no, we saw something on the tablet that when we're in this personnel grouping, and this is why a lot of times early in games you see so much creativity from teams because you want to throw a bunch of stuff. Like the, the reason teams script their first 15 plays is it allows them to kind of control all right, we're going to use a bunch of different formations. I'm not going to get in the heat of the moment and all of a sudden get into one thing. We're going to make sure that we throw some different looks at them, some different personnel groupings, and that's going to give us information because not only do we think these plays are going to work, but we're going to see how they match it. And then depending on how they react, we know the things that we like and the things that we don't. If they match things in a certain way and we're like, that's advantage them, we're not going back to that. Sure. But you also, throughout the course of that, you continually get more information and if they do something that you think you can take advantage of, such as they overload certain things or they start to get super aggressive when you're in shotgun, you run a draw play, and now all of a sudden you're out and you got a 30-yard gain, and, and that's good coaching. Like That is what it means to make an adjustment. And sometimes it's not really an adjustment. It's like a one-play counter. Sure. Um, but it also it also then, the adjustment is it slows their pass rush down because now they know that they can't just do that. So like yeah. that's really what an in-game adjustment is, and that's, that's a, such a good example of it. Yeah, and I feel like after you know, like after that, then they were like into more gun runs, and I think they just they felt a little bit more, uh, a little bit less predictable, right? And I think that's something that sticks out to me is again like that the the formation thing for the for the listeners for the fans is a big deal. Tight versus runs, spread out versus passes. Like I I would like them to exploit the tight person the tight formations to kind of help create confusion in the defense. Now I've heard through talking with with people earlier this week that one of the reasons they went spread out is they wanted to make it easier for Carson to identify blitzers and coverages, which is one of the advantages to spreading out. But I also think that you need to be able to operate within both, right? And if if you're worried about him identifying coverage, that's why you have motions, right? That's why you can kind of, like everyone thinks motion pre-snap. Again, that's a very valuable tool, but also just unusual formations. Like if you put the tight end to the left and then three receivers to the right, defensively, I cannot leave a corner to the offensive left because I have three receivers to the right. So I will dictate some type of response that says we're in man coverage because both both corners are over here, right? That's like a simple like right. simple version, but there are other ways to get there. And so I think that's something, I, I again, I'd like to see. I'd like to see them push that a little bit more. Um, you know, and I mentioned this already, like despite some of these issues, they did some good stuff that, that doesn't get actualized because the quarterback doesn't see it. Uh, the other thing I think um, that that really sticks out to me, the more football that I watch, the, two things. So first thing is the inability of this offense to attack the middle of the defense. Like that really jumps Huge out issue. to me. And, and I think it becomes, sorry to cut you off just real no. quick, Logan. I think this gets underscored when you watch the rest of the league sure. and you watch the frequency with which the best offenses, the best quarterbacks attack the middle of the field relentlessly. 
Um, you know, the Rams didn't wind up ultimately getting a ton of production Monday night, but the way they do it, the way the 49ers, who did get a ton of production, the way they do it, um, obviously the Chiefs, the Bucks, like Rodgers, is he starting to get going and, and cooking in Green Bay with their young receivers? Like, do they get some big stuff to the outside? Sure. But, like, when they need to have it, like Randall Cobb over the middle since 2012 or whatever it's been, like, right. you know, that that's still there. And when you watch good offense in the NFL, the way they use the entire field, but especially how much of the offense is over the middle of the field is pretty astounding compared to where Washington's production numbers are. Yeah, and that, again, like that might be that's that might be a Carson thing. He might not, you know. Again, like I, I I coach football like high school level, and our quarterback can't see the middle of the field very well, so we don't do that. If we're gonna do something to the middle of the field, it's always off a of play action or a boot, right? And that and that sounds crazy though. That's high school stuff, but that's also NFL stuff. Like Russell Wilson is notorious uh, for not being able to see the middle of the field well. So the only way they can get throws to the middle of the field is like by moving the pocket and doing crazy stuff to open windows up so we can see very well. Right. So that might be a Carson thing. I don't think so. Cause like historically that's what Scott's like to do. Also, I worry about, you know, again, this is, this is a totally abstract thought here, but I, I get concerned that, um, that the terminology, the verbiage of this offense makes it because it's numbers, it's numerical, right? So instead of me being able to call a concept and me know my rules for that concept, like, which is a West coast thing, so can you, or yeah, yeah, so the thought and then yeah, yeah. So like, I would love what, an example though. So like what it sounds like. So like, you know, so like a number system, like nine, eight, nine, right. That means that I think it's the, I forget which way they go. It depends on the offense. Some people start with the X and go left. So nine would be the X eight would be the tight end. And then nine would be the Z. Right. And so that means like all go with a post, which is an eight. Right. right. Um, and then you say, well, how do we do that same play from a bunch? That becomes my question. If I call 989 and we're in a bunch, how does that work, right? The, do you just run 989 and then who do we have to tag the backside Y on that? Or, how, you know what I mean? So that's where, again, like I think the verbiage is because, like, for example, like in Kyle's offense, we could be in a bunch, we could be in three wide, we can be whatever. And we just say, I'll go special. And we knew out of a bunch, it was like this. And out of, you know, three by one, it was like this. And we just knew that that was that's the concept, right? And we adjusted the concept to the formation. But here you have to work your numbers to match up with the people. So maybe that becomes more difficult to get some of that. So I would ask them this. Are you, are you noticing a lot of like route concepts that look like someone's running the wrong route? Like, is that happening frequently that, that you come to that question? So the reason I ask that is because one of the things about attacking the middle of the field, it's easier to do it from tight formations. Right. And, and it's, and it's easier to kind of say like, you know, this is the concept we're running. Like I just said, West Coast, like concept we're running, boom, run it. Here, I wonder if, because like, if you go through the route tree of those numbers, it's, there's not a lot of, there's like one route that attacks the middle of the field. And I think it's a mm. six. It's like a basic or an in cut, right? So right. like, how do you make sure that the inside guy runs this? Again, it just, it becomes more difficult to call it to get the matchups that you want. I, I It feels like to me, and again, I feel that way because I'm not in this offense, but that's a thought that I have when I watch it. Like, like these are very kind of vanilla route concepts, right? And maybe it's because Carson doesn't know, or it's just hard to verbalize in the language of this offense. You know, like when you speak a different language, they have different past tense, plural tense, all that stuff, like Spanish, for example. Right. And then they come to English and it's hard for them to communicate because we don't have the same tense system. There is that same kind of transfer with offensive language languages, right? So maybe that becomes more challenging. That's just a thought. The other thing that sticks out to me too about this offense, and this is an offensive line specific issue, is 
Kyle always said one of the things they pride themselves on in, in his offense is giving giving the quarterback hitches, right? So the ability to hold the ball at the top of my drop, take a hitch, take another hitch. And I thought at the time, I didn't really understand why that's significant, right? Just basically allow the quarterback to hold the ball and see the defense for a little bit longer at the top of the route. Right. Why is that significant? It's significant because 65, 70%, I forget the exact statistic, but it's high of offensive production comes off of off schedule stuff, right? So on schedule being like, it's quick game. I get to my third step balls out. Right. And when you watch, like I watched Baltimore this morning, a lot of their stuff, even play action stuff comes off of hitch, hitch, throw, right? The receivers work in the zone, works around, comes open, falls out. And so I look at this offense and one of the things, again, coming from this game, coming from the Philadelphia game is there are no hitches. There's no hitches mm -hmm. in this offense, right? And so even like, you know, let's go back to the Philly game. We talked, we broke down all those sacks. Like you remember that play where Kerry's running the corner or like the, um, yes. the big out, whatever you want to call that. Yeah. Um, Bench route, whatever. Yeah. Whatever like is. that is open. That's open right. and that's open in Pop Warner. That's open in the NFL. The thing that, that that limits that play's effectiveness is the hitches or the lack of hitches, right? He steps up and then he gets sacked. There's no opportunity for him to be like hitch, throw, right? Really set his feet and throw. So I think that's another element of the offense. So so can you then just like connect the dot though of like obviously the offensive line has to protect long enough sure. for the hitches to happen. So like is that a philosophical thing? Like how how does the hitches tie to the offensive line? Like obviously from a quarterback footwork standpoint if he's not being coached to like kind of almost hitch his way through the progression. Right. Cause sure. that's always, I've seen it too, is like you talk about marrying your feet to the read. It's like, I hit my back foot is if, if my number one's there ball is out. If not, I hitch. And as I hitch, I turn and look, and there's number two, then right. I might hitch again. And then it's number three. Like I've, I've heard of offenses. I think that's how Jay and Sean ran things. Yeah. Um, you would know better than me because it's similar to that West coast. What, what Kyle runs. Yeah. And obviously you, you played with those guys as well. Sure. Um, but how, like how does how does that because obviously the, the simpleton in me is like well it's not like the offensive line is like ah there's no hitches here so we're just not gonna block for right, longer than three right. seconds like how do those dots connect so i think one of the things like so i watched tennessee today right and mm -hmm. when you look at the pff grades for the offensive line for tennessee they're not good like they're like their tackles are poor pass protectors like they got a rookie starting he's a good athlete he's a good run player but you know he's developing as a pass protector same thing with the left tackle and so that offense, like I would take Cosme and Leno over both of those guys, right? The what they do really well is their play action game is super, super dialed in. It's incredibly dialed in. So, like, for example, they ran a play pass today and everyone is blocking the run. And instead of having the um instead of having like leave like having the tight end blocked down on like a five technique, they bring the fullback back and he cracks. So you get one, two, three, four, five offensive linemen blocking three and a blitzer, right? So, and everyone thinks it's a run. Like they're standing there, they're, they're off the, off, you know, they're kind of looking around, they're trying to find the ball. And then it's like, oh, now it's a pass. Even the tight end who's in a tough matchup, he jump sets the end, right? So the end meets him like it's a run and then looks and then transitions. So to me, that this transitional element off of a play pass, that gives you a hitch in the back end, right? Mm -hmm. That allows you to get a hitch on the top, right? And I think that, to me, that's one example of get, getting hitches in your offense. Kyle used that a lot. Roll passes, even setting up a different spot. So they'll run a play pass, and and uh, and Tannehill will do like a half roll. And so that gives you a hitch because the defensive line goes transition. Now where's the quarterback? Now let's go, right? Because he's moved. 
So right. those are hitches, right? And then the other thing is like in dropback, okay, they do a good job of getting hitches from kind of changing up the set style, right? So if it's third and three, they call a pass there. Even if they're in gun, the offensive line will jump set, right? And again, you get a response. It's like, oh, is this a run? Like, And then you get a transition. So again, coaching up those kind of nuanced approaches to get hitches in the offense or have the back chip or whatever it is, that's one way. Those are a couple ways you can find hitches for an offense. So you really, it's just about buying more time. And but, you know, yeah, that's it. Just buying more and, time and but, get, but creating, doing it in strategic ways, creating indecision for, um, for the defender, right? Like I saw the talk about a crazy way. Like I remember with, um, who was I with? Doesn't really matter. Was it with Kyle? Doesn't, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Probably so, Kyle based off percentages, but whatever. So what they would do is they would call a normal route concept and they put the receivers in a tight split. And on a couple of plays, you would chip the defensive end, right? Boom. But it would kind of chip you into your route. So let's say I'm chipping down from the right side. I would just keep running across the formation. And so it didn't really affect the timing of the play, right? And yeah. so every time we lined up in those tight splits, I remember, because I, I was a, the chipper oftentimes, the end would look up at you and he would stand up in a two point and then widen out. That gives you a hitch. You know, even right. if I wasn't chipping him, he just was like, I don't want to get chipped again. So I'm going right. to stand up. I'm going to widen out. I'm going to go from a two point. My get off's not as good from a two point, And I'm a little bit wider. There's your hitch. You know, right. that's, that's a simple way to get there. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times that also the coverage guy is, might back off or lose focus because he's like, oh, this guy's blocking. Yeah, um, right. Saw it with the Rams. You do that with Higby quite a bit. Um, he caught a, I, at least one that I can remember on an out route where he comes in like inside release chip and then circles back out kind of almost uses the, uh, the T end is like a bumper car right, to ricochet right. him into his route. And you're like, that's good football. That's good <laughs> stuff right there. Um, unfortunately for the Rams, they didn't get anybody, but Higby and, and cup going on Monday night, but you know, that's a correct, <laughs> that's a correct pick for me. Yeah, another, right. another point over Haney on the Hoffman show pick.